Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Lampshades. Do you not have a lampshade on your lamp and you're looking down on your phone and you reach out to turn off the lamp but you accidentally grab the light bulb and then you burn your hand and then you step backwards and you step into a bucket full of water because you didn't put that away either and then you fall backwards, you hit your back and then you break your phone. And then on the way to break your, on the way to go get your phone repaired, you pop your tire and then you get pulled over by the, by the police for a pop tire. Don't let any of that happen to you. It starts with the lampshade. Get that lampshade fixed so you avoid that entire situation. Sold at all kinds of stores near you. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you tell them where they can find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Goldcast as well as Twitter at The Goldcast underscore. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Make sure to add that underscore on Twitter, though. That's the only difference between all of our social media platforms. And make sure to subscribe because that way you'll get notifications when we go live with our new episodes. Boom. All right, here we go. We're going to have some early reactions to a couple individual players from preseason game one. Oh, so glad to have the 49ers back. Makes me happy. Here we go. Goldcast, let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. Raymond, preseason one is in the books. Welcome to the Goldcast. If you're listening to us, this is our bread and butter. Originally, many moons ago, we were called the 49er Goldcast, and that's where we got started. Why? Because the San Francisco 49ers is our favorite team. Because we won five championships and had the, one of the most dominating runs from 81 to 95. Because Joe Montana was the greatest, most per, he, he may not be considered the greatest, you can argue that, but he is the most perfect quarterback of all time. Because Jerry Rice is the Michael Jordan of professional football. And Ronnie Lott and Charles Haley are two of the greatest defensive players to ever play the game. And Steve Young, Steve Young was a bad dude, ripped the monkey off his back and got us our final SB win. This is the history of the 49ers. Welcome to the gold cast. Ray, here we go. So preseason one, it's in the books, man. It's in the books. I think this was a, I was really excited because this game is really this, you know, the the first preseason games, they're really not about schemes. They're really about individual players and how they react on the field, how they react to the speed of the game at the pro level, particularly some of our rookies. And I want to talk to you about who you felt stood out and who you thought showed some promise coming into week one of preseason for the 49ers well i'd say considering how much time he missed because of stanford's school schedule and more so with the nfl's eligibility um, rule i would say solomon thomas kind of stood out considering he missed most of training camp and came out there playing as if he had been there the whole time. He was all over the place. Um, he was inside. He was outside. He was on the on the left. He was on the right. He was on the weak side, strong side. Um, he, did, he did a little bit of everything. I saw him 
pressure quarterbacks. I saw him stuff runs. I saw him attack uh, running backs that were getting to the second level past our first wave of defenders. Um, he was everywhere. And I'd say the second person that stood out to me was surprisingly Aaron Lynch. This is a guy who came into camp 30 pounds overweight and dropped all those 30 pounds and looked like the Aaron Lynch that we've all come to you know, be excited for. And and he had two sacks. He had a pass deflection. He had um, he kind of did a little bit of everything. Actually, he uh, he had a batted ball. He um, he was awesome. I thought he was great. Just using his length and his power. You know, he just kind of muscled his way easily past first and second string guys. And then you know, and then he got pulled. But yeah, he did a tremendous. You know, Foster had a few flashes. Didn't play as long as as Thomas. Thomas obviously got more reps because he's catching up from all the missed time, um, be, all the missed training camp time. So whereas Foster's gotten it all, and and I know that he was also a little injured on his ankle too. So I know that they're kind of being cautious about that. But I mean, those are the those are the three people that stood out to me in that order too. Um, what was it? What was it like for you? I thought I agree. I agree with that order. Reuben Foster, I was pretty excited about. I thought he had one of the flashiest plays of the game, which was the uh, almost the pick, the the ball deflection in the end zone against Alex Smith. He's got to catch that. He definitely has a catch up. But that was a great showing. It is very hard to uh, almost cause a turnover with Alex Smith and to do it in the end zone, I thought was great. And then the the tackle before they eventually, before they made their first touchdown, that, that big tackle within the five-yard five line to the end zone, I thought that was great by Ruben Foster. I enjoyed it. Salman Thomas was a beast, very much impressed me. Aaron Lynch, too. I, those were the three guys. I think when the game was all said and done, those are the three guys that really stood out. And that was exciting to see. You know, they... It, I'm so curious as to what this defense is going to look like. And so just seeing these three players now, remember, that's where st- there's no DeForest Buckner, Navarro Bowman. You know, once all that, that, that gets in there, think about it. You've got Reuben Foster, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Navarro Bowman, Aaron Lynch. That is rough. That is really rough. Like, that is, that, that, that might be kind of nasty right there. And that's just like, what is that, five guys, five or six guys? I can't count. Five or six guys? Like, that's that's going to be pretty impressive. What do you think? When you hear those names, what do you think? I think that it sounds like a front seven that's even better than the Jim Harbaugh group. That's what I think. Because, I mean, if you look at the, back at the Jim Harbaugh group, our front seven strength was the linebackers with um, Justin Smith kind of being the lone wolf standout five-time pro bowler on our defensive line. Nobody else really, I mean, everyone else did well, did well enough, but we didn't necessarily have another Justin Smith on the line. It was Alden Smith and he's an outside linebacker. We also had Ahmad Brooks, outside linebacker, also went to the Pro Bowl during that time. And then we had Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, both inside linebackers, both Pro Bowlers. So our strength was the linebackers that time, whereas this time, I really think the strength of the line is going to be the defensive line. And that's typically the way it works. A 3-4, your standouts are going to be linebackers. And then a 4-3, your standouts are going to be defensive linemen, much like the Niners were back in the 90s when Steve Young played. We were running 
in a 4-3, and our standouts were Dana Stubblefield and Bryant Young, both defensive linemen. Although we did have pro bowlers in the linebacking core with Gary Plummer, Ken Norton Jr. Um, so that's not to say that, I mean, Navarro, Navarro Bowman is a pro bowl caliber player. So if he stays healthy, he's going to produce at that level. And then Foster being the equivalent in size and attributes, if not more so because he's younger, um, is, you know, poised to to have a similar you know, similar trajectory, you know, and, and he looks, if he continues to flash the way he did in the preseason game, then he could be, you know, another Patrick Willis in the making where, you know, Patrick Willis made all, all made the Pro Bowl every single year that he played. So that, that is, um, extremely promising. I feel like there's a lot of optimism with the faithful right now. And I don't know if you're getting that sense too, you know, are you getting that sense too? It feels like everybody's kind of really, really excited to see what this group can do because I feel like there's a lot more credibility and faith in the coaching staff and the GM. How do you feel? There's, there's a lot of high upside right now. I would say that's, and there's a lot of belief in the high upside of this team. I was actually, it's funny you mentioned this was going to be one of the topics that we're going to touch on today, but I was listening, started listening a little bit to the Matt Mayoko's 49er insider. Those of you guys who listen to the Goldcast, those of you guys are part of Goldcast Nation, you know I have a little bit of a disdain for many of our uh, beat writers and uh, uh, tele- television sports analysts, mainly because I don't think they're very good. And uh, secondly, they they none of them are good enough to be on the national level, so we never have anyone voicing the opinion of San Francisco. You know, we always have people that are... You've always got guys defending New York and Boston and Chicago and even Dallas. And even when those teams aren't any good, you still have a ton of analysts on TV defending those teams ad nauseum and, you know, pushing this agenda of keeping those teams constantly in the limelight. Meanwhile, San Francisco, San Francisco teams, Bay Area sports teams, five championship wins, seven appearances in seven years, one in all three major sports, one of the most dominating runs a city's ever had, the most dominating city of this decade without question, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's defending it. Once in a while, you you have uh, uh, Max Kellerman on first take calling it a a renaissance. No, this is an utter ass-whooping is what it's been. It's been an ass-whooping for seven years. This isn't a renaissance. If Boston had been doing this or New York was doing it, you better believe they would have been calling this an ass-whooping, not a renaissance. But I digress. Having said that, to make a long story longer, I like Matt Mayoko. I I think he's a little dry. He obviously doesn't have the flair and the... I I do like Matt too, but 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 he he is pretty vanilla. Very vanilla, exactly. So I started listening to his... Uh, his 49er insider. You guys should check it out. I, I like some of the interviews. I listened to Carmen Policy and I listened to Kyle Shanahan. And before the Kyle Shanahan one, he's talking to, I don't know, some someone he talks to in the beginning. There's a, a woman who, obviously they both know a lot. I, I'm not, I didn't catch her name, so I apologize. I'll, I'll drop her name next time. But they were talking about uh, how there's just a sense of optimism and, and just a, a kind of lighter step within the 49er organization right now. And he was saying that back through the Harbaugh, Tom Sula, Jim Kelly, or Chip, Jim Kelly, Chip Kelly eras, they, it was pretty obvious that Trent Baalke didn't really seem to get along with any of them. And so it was very much, it was almost like there was two, two different organizations within one. And here he was saying how Kyle and John very much work in unison. And Kyle was saying that basically what happens is that they, like all the practice footage, John and his scouts will take a look at it. 
and then Kyle and his team will take a look at it. And then John and Kyle will then converse with one another and talk about what they see. And if they don't agree on something, if they see something different, then what they'll do is they'll sit down together and watch it together to try and figure out what exactly the other one saw. And and Kyle's like, you know, I'm never I'm never stubborn enough to 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 feel like I know it all. Like I, I want to learn. So if John has something to teach me, I want to learn from it. I'm paraphrasing, but and he said vice versa. John's the same way. You know, if John wants to learn something and, and he you know Kyle sees something he doesn't, he's willing to sit and learn and and they look at it together. And there's just a level of harmony here that we we have not seen with any of the institutions of this past decade with the 49ers, and that that optimism. And the proven track record of Kyle Shanahan as a coordinator lends itself to the idea that there's just a really high upside. And I think that that is where this new resurgence of faith in the 49er faithful is coming from. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to have to listen to that Matt Mayoko one because I didn't realize that he interviewed Common Policy. I did hear Common Policy on 95.7 The Game, and that was a really cool interview, even though I despise the morning crew. With the exception of Lorenzo Neal on occasion. Um, but I'm going to have to check that out because normally I think his podcast is pretty boring. So unless he has, you know, a high profile person like Carmen Policy of all people, then I'll definitely make some time to see it because I'd certainly like to hear what Carmen Policy has to say. If it's anything like the 95.7 in the game interview, then I think anybody who makes the time to listen to that is, you know, in for some really cool, insightful football knowledge. And and Carmen Policy is also an attorney, too. So he's very knowledgeable, well-educated dude. You know, Carmen Policy, so that one was really cool because during that interview, he's talking about the he's talking about the 92-93 losses, back-to-back NFC Championship losses to the Cowboys. And he's talking all about how uh, Eddie D basically said, this cannot happen again. We have to win next year. This cannot happen again. We have to win. And so he talked about basically everything that they did and and the journey to win that 95 Super Bowl. And he said that out of all the Super Bowls they had won together, because he was part of all of them, he said that 95 was the most satisfying. He said it wasn't necessarily maybe the most exhilarating. He said, you know, like maybe he thinks the first one might have been the most exhilarating because it was the first one and, you know, what mm-hmm. they had to do to get through. They also had to get through, coincidentally, also had to get through Dallas to get the first one and the last one, coincidentally. I'd actually, it's so funny because we talk about this all the time. I don't know if I've ever necessarily consciously made that connection before. Our first and last I have not. we both had to get through. De- right? Like you never thought about it like that. Because I, I always kind of, I, I always think of, I just... Yeah, I kind of separate the two eras, but our first and last Super Bowls, we had to go through Dallas both times. And he talks about it being the most satisfying, that the 95 win was the completion of a goal. That And he said that in 92, he really felt like they should have won that, that it was kind of fluky, and and they they really should have won that one. But that 93, the Cowboys were genuinely better, and that's what really freaked him out that they had realized that they had a real juggernaut on their hands and they were young and they were cocky and they weren't scared of the 49ers at all. He also then talks about uh, the, um, uh, we, we haven't talked about this on here before, but I've been meaning to. He talks about the salary cap and how basically, you know, the salary cap was invented to stop the 49ers because Eddie D was on the road to, you know, basically making the 49ers financially kind of like the Yankees, you know what I mean? Just like all, mm-hmm. all money. All ball, you know, and and the basically the salary cap was invented to stop the 49ers. 
And he said it was wasn't an insult. He goes, it was a compliment, you know, because we were just so dominant in that era. But it's really good. It's really interesting. The last thing he says is that he thinks the model franchise in all of sports right now for the United States is the Warriors. He he he's, he applauded them. He said he stood up out of his chair at home in his living room when he discovered that Kevin Durant had been signed. And he said exactly what we said on the Goldcast. Go back and listen to this pod. If you go back, there's a podcast when we first signed Kevin Durant. Go back and check it out. We talk about the signing of KD and how it's it was the biggest athlete uh, that we had acquired since Deion Sanders. And he said the same exact thing. I felt so vindicated about that. Go check that out. That's awesome. Uh, check it out in our notes. Yeah, if you're, if you're lo- watching this on YouTube, I'll have it. It'll come up in the right corner right now, and you can check it out. You can see it. It'll, it'll pop right up. I wish you could do that somehow on iTunes, but you can't. But uh, it'll pop right up here, and you'll be able to see it on our YouTube channel, the episode where we talk about Deion Sanders and comparing him to Kevin Durant. He said the same exact thing, that it was the biggest athlete we've ever acquired in the Bay since Deion Sanders, and he applauded it. And he, you know, he talked about how that's what you're supposed to do. You know, the best team should go get the best player. And I thought that was really cool. And he said that he thought the Warriors were just the model. And he, he compared, he's thought about it many times and many times he's thought about the Cavaliers and the Warriors basically being the basketball equivalent to the 49ers and the Cowboys of the 90s. He thought very similar arms races and, you know, neck and neck. Oh, you know, the, the, they were always in the NFC Championship, but they, everyone felt whoever won the NFC Championship was going to win the Super Bowl. And, and he felt the, uh, and, you know, whereas in NBA they were actually competing in the finals in the championship. But, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I like Matt Mayoko. He's one of the few that, you know, we, we endorse here on the Goldcast. He is very vanilla. I haven't heard any solo ones. I just like those interviews. So, I'm, you know, we're going to give him a, a shout-out. Go check out those interviews and then uh, reply in the comments what do you guys think. If you haven't gone back and seen our Super Bowl wins, like some of our younger Niner fans, you should go back and see the five. Like I've seen all all of them. Um, we should we probably Ray. We need to do a deep dive this year of a couple of them. Mainly my favorite one. We need to do a deep dive on Super Bowl twenty three. So what we what we're gonna do is we're gonna watch it again, and then we're gonna go. We should just do a deep dive in it and talk about kind of quarter by quarter what we saw, and then maybe ninety five because I know you've got a huge soft spot for Steve Young. That sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do it. But if you have no, none seen wrong, none wrong with reliving watch- the glory days. Hell no. Go back and watch them. I would start. God, where would you start? I mean, I started at 81 and then I just went. I would in start order, in numerical order. Yeah, go through go through the progressions and see the drive of the team. I mean, Joe Montana, outside of having Dwight, Dwight Clark, I mean, his another next best wide receiver in the first two Super Bowls is Freddie Solomon. And, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, he, he passed away. Uh, young in life, not not long, you know, after they passed away in like the 90s uh, or, you know, may, or maybe early 2000s. I have to double check. But Freddie Salmon's kind of one of those like unsung heroes. I don't know. I don't remember. I've looked it up before, but I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, Joe doesn't have a tremendous amount of weapons. Uh, there's The defense is really, really strong. And then in, you've got 88 and 89, John Taylor, Jerry Rice, uh, Roger Craig. It really starts to kind of uh, blow up and then that 95 team was pretty monstrous too with Deion Sanders Steve Young that's just a that's a, a Jerry Rice again that's a, a tough super tough team and uh, you know they basically keep it together for about one year and then weren't able to sustain it Deion goes over to Cowboys a traitor uh, which broke my heart that broke my heart when he made that move I still remember it but yeah you should definitely go back and see some of those old 
Super Bowl victories. Uh, who do we got? Who do we got next, Ray? What's when's the next preseason game? It's this Saturday. Uh, we are hosting Denver, and they're they're also hosting joint practices this week. I hope none of them get in a fist fight like uh, Los Angeles Rams and the San Diego Chargers. Considering that John Lynch and John Elway are really good friends, and that these are two like highly respectable franchises, and being the the culture that they're reestablishing in San Francisco by bringing in guys like Steve Young and Jerry Rice, who were in, at practice earlier this week, talking to the team about the culture of the 49ers and just sort of the 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 history of them winning and all that kind of stuff and what the culture was back then. There, you know, John Lynch and all of this is super, super intentional and super strategic because it's all about reestablishing the vision of. Look, this is this was the persona that helped carry the Niners through 20 years of dominance. And if we're going to cap recapture any amount of that by any degree, there we have to emulate that same essence. Obviously, it would apply to, you know, the contemporary period that we're in now, but you can still have the essence, the core, the foundation, the principle of it all you know, reinstalled, reinvigorated into this group. And I think everybody is, you know, kind of, you know, steadily buying into all of this. That's that's the impression I get. <clears throat> well, piggybacking off of what you said and coming off that Kyle Shanahan interview, he said one, they don't have many rules, but one of the number one rules he has for the team is protect the team. And it's this philosophy, he said, whether it's on the field in the press conference, when you're out in the city, protect the team. That the the team, the organization, the 49ers bubble needs to always be protected. And he talks about remembering running through those those hallways as a kid. He said that he didn't take off Deion Sanders' jersey basically for all of '94 and '95, and that it was that was his probably his favorite player um, in, when he was on the Niners during that that one year. That that was his favorite player. How can you not? It was one of his you, best oh, seasons. Ever. He won Defensive Player of the Year that year. Yeah. He, so, that was his, his, yeah, his, so, best, his best season as a pro. He made the Pro Bowl, first team All-Pro, and Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, so he he talked about that. Also, Carmen Policy has this, I'm not going to ruin it. Carmen Policy has this great conversation all about uh, George Seifert and Deion Sanders uh, speaking for the first time uh, in, in, you know, in the, in part of like getting recruiting Sanders over, but Shanahan talks about protecting the team. And so I think everything that you're saying is in line with this idea of protecting the team. And I think they're, they're really, really trying to establish a new culture and 49er faithful gold cast nation. I'm, I've said it once. I'm going to say it again. This is a two to five year deal this is a journey. This is not. We're not going to turn around and win ten games. We're not going to go ten and six this year. It it might still be ugly. It might be four to six games. Maybe eight and eight. Maybe if we're really lucky. If Hoyer can not be Hoyer long enough, to, maybe we can eke out a couple more wins. But just remember. Just remember. Just show some patience and be prepared that this season is going to be tough. And but there's going to be high upside. And I think we're going to see flashes of brilliance from this team that we haven't seen 
in several years. And then I think we're going to see still us shaking off some of the ghosts of the last two or three years of struggle that we've had. And you got to be prepared for that. It's not going to be easy. But if you if you hold on, 49er faithful, Goldcast Nation, if you hold on, just wait. I I believe 100% that this team this team is going to rise from the ashes and we are going to we are once again going to be competing uh, against the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals of the world and and we're going to be we're going to be again in playoff contention and that that's not going to happen this year but it is going to happen it is going to happen within the next 2 to 3 years you know do we win a super bowl i don't know i mean you know maybe 3 to 5 we'll, we'll I see think but i i I mean, I don't want to get into predictions just yet. I kind of want to save it for the end of the preseason. But I certainly think we're going to be – we'll get to that by at the end of the preseason. But I'll give a little a little teaser now. I definitely think we're going to be better than last year. Without a doubt. I agree with that, that was rock bottom, and I don't think you can get any lower than that. Unless no, you're the Detroit no, Lions. and I – <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, we're going to be better. Do we? Uh, do, do do we finally defeat the Rams for uh, third place supremacy? Uh, save it. Just save it. Put that question in your head. We'll come back to it. We've got this Saturday, right, Raymond? The Denver Broncos this Saturday. So check out that game. We're pretty excited. I'm I'm really excited. Then next week we'll see a lot of the starters out there. So that'll be the big one. But. We've got one more game. We could take a look at more of the young bucks. So let's see what happens. Go 49ers. Raymond, before we end this gold cast, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at RaceElise1 and on Twitter at RaceElise. Boom. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rudy Solis third, Rudy Solis 3RD. Shout out to some of our Twitter buddies giving us love out there. We like it. Hey, keep throwing it out there. We'll throw it back. Uh, we love when 49er, if you got a 49er fan page, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We follow everybody back. It's been awesome to see some pages not only following, but then retweeting our gold casts this week. That was really, really awesome. We appreciate the love. Thank you so much. Goldcast just kind of gets bigger and bigger all the time. This is uh, the Bay Area Biased Review. You're here because you love our teams, you love San Francisco, you love what this represents, and this is what we're all about. All about these teams, we're all about talking about our teams and celebrating our success, our victories, and then mourning in the losses. Hopefully, more winning than losses. Here we go. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the first baby. Boom! Man, you love that dramatic pause after I call for your name. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Pause and now. now. It's all about the timing. We'll see you next time. It's all about the timing. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time. Same gold cast. Channel. This is, is the gold cast.